Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Okay, so before we start, I want us to play a little mind game. Just to make sure everybody is awake after the big lunch and the afternoon nap. Is that okay with you? Okay, we're mostly yeah. Okay, so I'm going to say a word and I want you to share the first thing that pops into your head with the person next to you. Is that okay? So let's do a test run. What is the first thing you think about when I say sport? So all the Bulls supporters, I'm sure, you're thinking of the 43-10 victory over the Sharks yesterday. But some of us, we're sitting here and we're thinking, what a waste of time. Some of us, we're thinking golf or netball. You see, there's, there's no wrong answer. Okay, so you get the game. What is the first thing you think of when I say Beautiful. Okay, somebody got it right. The husband was telling the wife, you. <laughs> but I heard something about a Hilux. Somebody's in, the, in, in trouble. What is the first thing you think of when I say precious? Somebody points to the engagement ring. Please, not Lord of the Rings, okay? I know somebody was thinking about that. Okay, last one. What is the first thing that pops into your head when I say God? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for tonight. Thank you that we can spend time in your presence. Father, we pray that, Father, that, that we will put aside all our planning for tomorrow, all our worries, all our cares, and and just sharpen our ears to listen to what you have to tell us. Father, thank you that we can have an expectation of being changed, of being restored, of being healed, that when we walk out of here, we'll walk out as different people because of you, not because of a sermon, not because of music, but because we met with you, the living God. We pray your blessing upon this sermon, Father. May, Father, we really hear what is on your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So this, the title of my sermon is Father and Son. That's pretty much our punchline. See, there was a gentleman in, 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 in the early 1900s called A.W. Tozer, Avia Tozer, and he said something that, that, that literally makes me think, and, and I heard this quote maybe 10, 15 years ago. His quote was, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What comes into your mind when you think of God is the most important thing about you. The thing that popped into your mind when you just thought about God now defines your life. You see, who God is will determine whether you preach the gospel to people, whether you pray, whether you read the Bible. Who God is to you will even determine your own identity. You see, in our modern age, there's this identity war. He wanting to be 
pronounced as she. She wanting to be known as he. Him wanting to be known as them or they. And, and even in school, people are taught that you are coming from a monkey. There's no purpose. There's no destiny. Everything is just chance. If you know who God is, it will determine who you are. It will be your identity as well. So who was God when you just thought about him? Did you think of a schoolmaster with a long rod just waiting to, you know, bring you back into line? Is God like the attorney or the bank manager, the one you call only when there's trouble? Who is God to you? So if you open our Bibles, we read in Luke 11, from verse 1 and 2, it's the Lord's Prayer. So the story behind it is Jesus was praying in a certain place. And one of his disciples came to him after he was praying and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Like John, John the Baptist also taught his disciples to pray. And Jesus said, okay, when you pray, say then. Let's pause there. Now we all know the answer. Say, our Father. But have you ever thought of Jesus could have used so many words to describe God to his disciples. He's got this opportunity to, to show his disciples how do you talk to God? How do you communicate with him? He could have used, when you pray, say, mighty God. Say, holy God. Say, creator. Say, alpha and omega. He could have used so many words, but he used a very specific word, and that is Father. When you pray, come to God like a child would go to a father. Now, this is for many of us a, a touchy subject because we didn't have a godly father as an example. When I say father, some of us might think of the guy who left when my mother discovered that she was pregnant. For some of us, when we say father, you think of the the one who disappointed you, or even worse. So I want to stop there for a moment. Not having a father is a huge thing. Having an ungodly father, now I want to, want to ask us to be vulnerable. If you struggle to relate to God as a father because of your own experience with your father, I want to pray with us quickly. But I'm going to ask that we close our eyes and if you are one of those who, who struggle to identify with a godly father, with Father God, because of your own past, I want you to raise your hand so that I can just know who I'm praying for. We can't go on with this sermon if, if we don't deal with this situation because everything is about God as a good father, God as a loving father. And some of us, we, we might struggle with that because our experience tells us something different. Is that okay with you? Can I ask that we close our eyes? Nobody's looking. If you are that, just, you know, put your hand up, not for me, for God. Because he's the one who's going to come and heal that soul. He's the one who's going to deal with that. And just so I can know who I'm, I'm praying with. Father, I want to thank you, Father, for every person that was bold enough to just now raise their hands. Father, I want to thank you that you are a loving, perfect Father. You are our Father who's in heaven, not our Father who's on earth, not our Father who's fallible, not our Father who might have been 
a bad example. But Father, where we have this, this wound, where we have this, this broken heart, I pray that right now that you come and touch our hearts, that you will bring healing. Father, that you bring that restoration so that when we speak of Father, we, we don't cringe back, Father, but we, we understand you are the perfect Father. You are the Father who loves. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't want to rush this, but if you struggle to relate to God as the Father, after this service, please come to the front. There will be people in front who would love to pray with you. Because of your bad example, uh, because of your bad experience, don't let it destroy your relationship with a godly father who loves you. You see, John 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. You see, our father loves us. Our father has good things in store for us. Our father knows everything about us. You can turn, if you have your Bibles open, to Galatians 4 from verse 4. But when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Shoot, let me read that again. <laughs> that is a mouthful. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. Abba, a loving term, an endearment term for dad. So it's more daddy or dad. Therefore, you're no longer slaves, but the son, and as a son, an heir. Do you know that you have an inheritance as a child of God? Have you ever thought of that? And it is not just heaven one day. Yes, that's also part of our inheritance. But because we're children, we have an inheritance. Let's begin at the beginning. God sent Jesus to redeem us, to buy us back. Why? So that God can adopt us. Now, the adoption process is amazing, and I know there's a couple of people in church who adopted people, but I also have friends who adopted you know, sometimes the adoption process starts even before the baby was born. The parents have to do all the work. They have to submit bank statements to prove that they can support a child. They have to open their house to show that their house is safe. They have to fill in forms so that people can know that they will be trustworthy. They have to jump through so many hoops, open their house, have interviews with social workers and all that kind of stuff and sometimes they go through that even before the baby is born. What is our responsibility? God wants to adopt you. What is the child's responsibility in an adoption? He must just make what is happening his own. You know, he just, he just doesn't need to run away. 
What is our responsibility? That which Jesus done on the cross for us, we have to make that our own. God already did all the paperwork. He had all the interviews. He had all the bank statements submitted. Everything is done. We just have to say, yes, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. And Jesus Christ is that savior. God wants to adopt us. He wants to make us children, not slaves, not servants, sons and daughters. That would be an excellent place to say amen. So we are no longer slaves. We are no longer bound under our past, bound under sin, because we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to this world, and now we are free because God adopted us. But as we are being adopted, now we suddenly have an inheritance. You know, South African law actually states that if you adopt a child, your own child can be written out of your will, but an adopted child cannot be written out of the law. You cannot disown them. If you adopted them, they will inherit. doesn't matter what they do. The law actually protects them. We as children, we also have an inheritance. But you know what comes with an inheritance? Responsibility. Let me tell you this story. So Jesus is 12 years old. You can go and read this in Luke 2 from verse 40, 42. Jesus is 12 years old, and for the first time, he has the privilege to go to Jerusalem with his parents for Passover. Big festival, they celebrate for a couple of days, the Israelites, uh, the, the death angel passing over the Israelites. And after the days of festival, Mary and Joseph, they pack up and they start going back home, thinking Jesus is in the crowd. He's walking with the friends and the family coming back home. And after a day's journey, they've been walking the whole day. They start pitching their tents, making their little fires. Now, now I, I see this already happening, you know, Joseph pitching the tent, lighting the fire, getting the food ready, and Mary is walking all over looking for Jesus, and, and suddenly they realize Jesus is not there. Twelve-year-old boy, alone in Jerusalem, like that, he could have been sold into slavery. Like that, 110 things could have happened. So what does parents do? They pack up, they go back to Jerusalem. They go and look for Jesus. The first day they get there, they find nothing. Second day, find nothing. I can just imagine they must be crazy with fear. Looking for their son for two days and they find nothing. The third day, they find him in the temple sitting there, talking to the wise men, asking questions, giving answers, and everybody around them is astonished at this young man's wisdom. And I'm going to read from verse 48. So when they saw him, they were amazed. I think this is a bad translation. Because if you look for your son for three days and you finally find him in the temple, you will not just be amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have searched for you anxiously. 
And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? I want you to imagine this for a second. You know, pick and pay is just down the road from us. If your father owned pick and pay, and some big guy comes in, packs a whole stuff in the trolley, and then wanting to go out of the shop without paying, what will a son do? He will stop and say, hey, that doesn't belong to you, that belongs to us. Pay for that. A worker, somebody who gets paid, might think, I'm not going to risk it. Let the guy just go and, you know, let's just look somewhere else. A son has an inheritance, but a son also has responsibility. Now, I come from a farm, and uh, for some reason, weekends are the time when the cattle decide to break through the wires. Weekends are the time when people light fires and it runs away and your farm burns down. But you know, when you get a phone call at 12, 1 in the morning, and somebody tells you, listen here, your cattle just broke out and they're on their way to the highway, you don't tell them, I'll come and see tomorrow. You don't phone the laborers and say there's a problem. No, father and son, get the pliers, get the wire, get the droppers, you go and you fix the fence, you get back the cattle. When you get the phone call, there's a fire on the farm. Whether you're getting dressed for a wedding, it doesn't matter. Your cattle is in danger, your feed is in danger. What do you do? You go and kill the fire. Now, I, I had a friend, Hendrik, Hendrik Smith, he got uh, tickets to, to a Lucy at Loftus. Now, for those of you who don't know what a Lucy is, it's like this private booth. But one of the things that's guaranteed is there will be biltong. Rugby, biltong, sometimes you get a t-shirt, sometimes you get a mug, you, you know. It, a Lucy, it's a nice place. There's always food, you get to watch the rugby, so Hendrik got, got, got two tickets. I think it was still from Panar, one of the seed providers. And he phoned me and said, listen, he's got the tickets. He's coming to pick me up. We're going to watch rugby. And uh, got dressed. He picked me up. Maybe two k's from where we stayed. We looked back and you can see the smoke coming down the valley. Now, a hireling would say, phone the boss. Tell him there's a fire. I'll see you tomorrow. But what's the job of a son? Cancel the rugby. Bye-bye, Biltong. Bye-bye, Lucy. Go back home, get dressed in old clothes, and go fight the fire. Why? Because you have an, a share. You have an inheritance. Part of what is happening there is yours. Is that the way we, we see the kingdom? What was Jesus' answer? Why were you looking for me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? So our father is also a farmer. What's he farming with? Sheep. We are the sheep. Very interesting. We can go read in John 21. So just before Jesus was crucified, Peter denied Christ three times. Christ was crucified. Three days later, he, he rose from the dead. And then he came to Peter and he restored Peter. 
But three times, like Peter denied Christ three times, three times Christ asked Peter, do you love me? And every time Peter said yes, and every time Christ said, verse 15, feed my lambs. Again, Christ asked, do you love me? Again, Peter said, God, I love you. Again, verse 16, Jesus said, tend my sheep. Again, Christ asked him, do you love me? Again, Peter said, God, you know everything. You know I love you. And again, he said, feed my sheep. John 10 from verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is not an heir. Uh, oh, sorry, the hireling flees because, he's not, because he is a hireling and does not uh, care about the sheep. How many times do we think of ourselves when we come to church as a son of the house? How many times do we think of ourselves as a, a visitor? Somebody who comes to receive, somebody who comes to, to get. Is the sheep our priority? Is the people around us priority? Do we feed the sheep? Do we take care of one another? Do we take ownership of this church? Do we take responsibility for those sheep who are still outside and and needs to be called inside. You see, for a Christian, running away from the wolf is not an option. We stand together and then the wolf runs away. Amen? Many times, Jesus was insulted by the Pharisees. Even captured. But never once did he defend himself. Have you ever noticed that? Even when the disciples wanted to defend him, he said to them, take your sword, put it back in your scabbard. They're going to arrest me. But you know when Jesus actually got angry and really stood up for himself? Well, he didn't stood up for himself. He stood up for God's temple. John 2. Now, John 2, we, we read about the first miracle, Jesus turning water into wine. And then we read about Jesus seeing what is happening in the temple, how people are trading money, how people are selling and buying and and it, it, it turned into a, a mall. And he gets angry, goes, sits down, takes cordage, makes a whip, and goes and clears the temple. Jesus, the lamb, the one who, who gave himself, gets angry enough to actually makes a whip and chases out people out of the temple, not because they were taking him on, but because they were insulting his father's house. Is that the way we think of God's house? Don't make a whip, don't change anybody away. But do we take ownership? Are we jealous for God's house? Are we jealous for God's people? Luke 15, 
we read about three parables directly after each other. The lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. Now most of us knows these parables off by heart, but there's three things that happens in all of them. Something's lost, something's gained, someone or something celebrated. All of them, lost, gain, celebrated. So I wanna share just quickly with us the, the last parable, the parable of the lost son. This starts in verse 11. Jesus tells the story and he says, there's a father who has two sons. The younger son goes to his dad and says, dad, my translation, I don't wanna wait until he dies someday. Give me now my inheritance. Give me the money. So what does he do? His father, verse 12, divides to them. Remember, he had two sons. Divides to them his livelihood. The youngest takes everything that he received, goes to a far-off country, and wastes his money. Buying gifts for his friends, spending his money with harlots, just makes a big mess. After a while, he, his, his money runs up, runs out. He doesn't have money again, and, and suddenly there's this big famine in this nation, and he gets so hungry that this Jewish boy actually goes and works on a, on a pig farm. Now, that already is a major thing. A Jew and a pig, they, they, don't, they don't mesh. It's like water and fire. But he's so desperate, he takes the job. And then he feeds the pigs, and he's so hungry that he desires to feed himself with the food that he's giving to the pigs. But verse 17 says, suddenly he came to himself. Suddenly he had this light bulb moment, I can go back. And he gets this whole thing in his head, I'm going to go back, I'm going to tell my dad, listen, dad, I sinned against God, I sinned against you, I messed up, I'm not worthy to be your son, but make me like one of your servants. Just give me a small salary so that I can, I can get by. So soon after that, he goes. He's on his way back home. And this is where the story gets, gets amazing. The father, who was insulted by his son, who was left behind by his son, sees his son in the distance. There on the horizon, he's coming back. And what does the father do? The father runs to him. Now, Jewish men do not run. First of all, they wear robes that's right up to their ankles. So if they want to run, they have to pick up their robe, showing their skinny legs that never see sun. They don't do it. But yet the father doesn't care about what people think, doesn't care about his legs showing. He picks up his dress, he's run to his son. He falls on his neck and he kisses him. I'm sure he was still smelling like pigs because that's all he knew. And he starts with his, his little rhyme, Dad, I sinned against God, I sinned against you. Please forgive me, I'm not worthy to be your son. Treat me like one of your servants. And what does the father do? Does the father say, no, it's right, you can stay there in the servants' quarters? No. While he was talking, the father called the servants. He says, bring the robe, the best one. Put it on him bringing him a ring, put it on his hand, bring him sandals, put it on his feet, take the fatted calf, slaughter it, let us eat and celebrate. Now, 
this is a sermon by its own. Because the, the, the cloak you wear was part of your identity. A priest would wear a priestly robe. Soldier will wear a uniform. Beggars will wear a beggar's robe that identifies him as a beggar. He's allowed to beg. The father gives him the best robe. He restores him. He restores his identity. The father gives him a ring. For us, rings aren't that important, but those days, this was your credit card. This was your authority. You can trade, you can do business on behalf of the family again. She's talking about destiny. The father restores the son, and then the father celebrates the son, the son who wasted his money. But there was a second son in the story. So this oldest son comes back from the field where he was working. All the time he's been working, he's been faithful, he's been doing what, what, what he must. And as he draws closer to the house, he, he smells the, the bryflace. He hears the music, he sees the people are celebrating and he calls one of the workers and says, what, what's happening? And the servant said, your brother is back. And he gets angry. So this is where we start reading. Luke 15 from verse 28. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore the father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandments in any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. Do you see it? You never gave me. What happened in verse 12? The father gave to them his livelihood. The son never took ownership of what his father already gave him. And now he's complaining, you never ever gave me a goat. But as soon as the son of yours came, you had, uh, who had devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf. How many of us are sitting here, God has adopted us, God has made us his sons, his daughters, and we see ourselves as slaves. We don't walk in the authority that Jesus gave us, we don't walk in anything, we are still acting like slaves. What's the difference between a son and a slave? Well, very little. The only difference is a slave works for someone, a son works for himself. Most of the time the son will work harder than the servant. How many people are sitting in church seeing themselves as slaves, seeing themselves as the oldest son, never taking what God already gave you through Christ? Adoption an inheritance. So there are three people that I want to pray with. Some of us, we're sitting here and we're seeing ourselves as orphans. We've never made what Jesus did on the cross our own. We never took that gift of Christ. We never allowed God to adopt us. If you're sitting here and you feel like an orphan, 
don't go home. I've got some great news for you. God is standing with his arms wide open, wanting to adopt you, wanting to make you part of his family. You just need to make it your own. Second group of people I want to pray with. If you are like the lost son, you messed up. You messed up a lot. You sold your inheritance. I've got some great news for you. God the Father is keeping his eye on the the horizon, waiting for you to come back. You know what the Bible says? If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. As you take the first step, he comes running like the dad, lifting up his dress and coming. But you have to come back. Or maybe you like the third person, the older son, the one who's been working like a slave, the one who never took his inheritance, who never took that authority. The amazing thing is God Almighty, the creator of the universe, desires to adopt us, desires to make us his children. We just need to say yes. We just need to not run away.